Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller. This is a pro wrestling show and thank you for joining me towards the end of the week where we do have a massive wrestling weekend. Obviously, AEW Full Gear is going down uh, as I'm recording this. Sort of NXT and AEW Dynamite are in the book, so we'll definitely chat about those when we get there. Before we do start, though, I just want to shout out to everybody that joined the Patreon this week. Patreon.com forward slash Simon316. You're all very lovely people and you also all sent me very lovely messages, so you get double the love from me however moving away from that it's a very 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 cool day because as you know if you're a long time listener to the show every now and then um you know i reach out to a, a good friend of mine who has the best opinions on professional wrestling because he doesn't hold back and they're always the best opinions he's come back on today i think basically to try and vent for a while so, <laughs> so i'm all up for that it's my man it's the one and only it is the internet's jim sterling jim how you doing for the first time ever a historic, groundbreaking podcast for the first time in Simon Miller's podcast history. I am here with a groundbreaking, barrier-breaking opportunity opportunity. For the first time ever, I'm recording while holding a blue flash drive in my hand. This is groundbreaking. I, this is historic. I didn't know I had Michael Cole on. I'm so, I'm so happy to have you, Michael Cole. How cool, guys. <laughs> I'm excited already. I'm excited. Kick already. ass and take names. We we have so much to talk about, my friend. I yeah, mean, it's been it's been yeah. it's been a few months. A lot has changed in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, that yes. what, what I like about how this episode came together. We were going to record sooner than than this, so you'll have to forgive me because I want to talk about something that happened a while back. I got sick. If, if you're on my Patreon, you know we don't need to get into it again. It's boring. However, the- basically, what happened was. 20 minutes after yep, telling yep. herself stopped airing, I messaged you and said, do you need a guest? Because I need to talk. Dude, let's wind back the clock. I already know. I mean, I want to hear it for starters, even though I've got an idea. I know that everyone listening is going to want to hear it because a lot of people are still very upset by it. And I know this because they tweet me, dude, fill me in. Like where, what? I mean, I look, just take me back to the moment. Because I, as we all know, I am a very... Probably an, uh, sometimes too overly positive and, and too... I wouldn't call myself a defense force, but sometimes I look too much on the good. Even, I was watching that in a hotel room in Scotland, and even I audibly, out loud, went, oh, for fuck's sake. Because <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> what are we doing? I know we've moved on from that, but, you know, we shouldn't have got there anyway. So, my friend, take me back. Sunday night, hell in a cell. That all goes down. What on earth are you thinking? I worked myself. I worked <laughs> myself in the... I th- it, it had become such a foregone conclusion in my mind that they would screw the Fiend up and they would screw this match up that I started to believe that it wouldn't happen. Yeah, I do because that. Because I was so sure it would happen. Yep, yep. I was like, it's so obvious that they're going to drop the ball on the Fiend versus Rollins that maybe they won't. And then they did. <laughs> and I felt doubly foolish because it, I hadn't, I, I'd fooled myself. Because I was so sure I wouldn't be fooled. Yeah. I- and who who is more foolish, the fool or the fool who fools him? It is the fool who fooled himself into thinking <laughs> that they could resist for a minute, for just a minute, not doing something utterly boneheaded. Big hammer, good. Little hammer, bad. That's the message of that match. That's how you get out big, of having a cell. Big Harley Quinn hammer, 
good. <laughs> Fine. Little Hammer. Obviously Sledgehammer, but by comparison, Ickle Bickle Hammer, bad. Because, because the referee decided to stop being a referee, Simon, and became a full-time qualified therapist. And a friend, yeah. He became a friend of and, Seth and Rollins. A, a good friend of yeah, Seth. Yeah, he's very nice. He's very protective because of Bray. It wasn't, it wasn't him. It's within the fiend's nature to get a big fuck-off hammer. Seth Rollins, protege of Triple H, totally out of character for him to even think of a sledgehammer. Why would he do that? Protégé of Triple H. He'd never think, he'd never conceive of us. It's not him, Simon. It's not him. <laughs> this is what happens in Hell in a Cell. People lose their minds. That's just you, just you become yeah. somebody else. I'll tell you why I was, I mean, I, I was going to be gutted anyway because I've been a big fan of Bray Wyatt. I think the very first time we, we talked together, I may have brought up how much I liked You Bray did, Wyatt. yeah. You were a huge fan. That was way before The Fiend as well, of course. Yeah. So this is way back oh, yeah. in the day, yeah. I'm a big fan of high concept characters. Um, I like someone who, as I said, I, I believe last time we spoke, so, someone like Bray who knows the business well enough to subvert it. Mm. Anyone can try and subvert um, any piece of entertainment, any medium. But if they don't already know how to do it really well, they'll probably subvert it badly. Um, I've said this about Spinal Tap. The band Spinal Tap are excellent. They, they were actually really good musicians. And that's what let them be on paper, bad musicians. 100% right. Because they, the, they knew music well enough to do it badly in a way that was still entertaining. And Bray Wyatt is someone who clearly has a wonderful head for wrestling and knows exactly the right ways to undermine our expectations in a way that doesn't just come across as random and stupid, but in a way that is profound, almost. Um, there's a... That's why the Firefly Funhouse became so big. It wasn't just that it was lol weird. It was very clever. It was clever weird. There was real intellect and writing and pacing and character depth behind it all. Um, so yeah, huge fan of Bray Wyatt, um, obviously. Um, so that that is one reason, one obvious reason why I was gutted. But the other reason was... I genuinely thought that match was going places. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant up to a point. The atmosphere, I know the red light has uh, had many people... Um, it's split, it's been divisive. Um, I didn't mind it. I think maybe they could do with having a little extra plane light in there as well, just to give it a sort of red glow rather than a, like drenching it in red. Yeah, I don't mind but it I didn't so mind much, it so much. Yeah. There's, there's probably tweaks they can do, but yeah. I, I was surprised when I went on the internet afterwards, that that was a huge focal point. I was like, I, I think there's other things we should be worried about. <laughs> I don't need to be worried about this yeah. bit so much. I also like the fact that it obscured the fact that Hell in a Cell in recent years has been this embarrassing gummy red that makes it look like a toy, which is probably good because then they can sell toys of it. Um, <laughs> but it looks so cheap and tacky, the, the red, rather than just the sort of, just the cold hard steel look it always had. Um, up to a point... I was so invested in that match. When when Wyatt ate those stumps and kicked out at one, I genuinely jumped out of yes, my seat. Yes, I, like, yeah, I loved it. It got a reaction from me, right? Because WWE doesn't do that stuff. Well, rarely. They rarely do that yeah. stuff. Yeah, they were going all in on, like, let's actually make this character a monster. Let's not... Let's not try and protect everyone at the same time equally, which doesn't work for wrestling. Sometimes you've got to take a hit to exactly. make exactly. when you get a win better. This is why we um, get on, Jim. We, we speak the yeah. same language. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, people have said talked many times about the 50-50 booking, but here it was like they went all in on building The Fiend up like a Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees thing. And and I was buying into it. It was convincing. Mm. Um, and then it reached a point where the audience was getting sour and it became more and more apparent that they're going to do something weird. And then when the ref started saying, this isn't you, I was like, well, fuck. They, they, they had me... They had me until this point, and now it's going to go bad. But then they got me back again just briefly. When The Fiend got back up, I was like, well, okay. He's battle-ready. Surely they can just restart. What a what a clever subversion that would be. <laughs> how clever of... How clever britches of WWE that they would make us think that they were going to do something typically boneheaded and then not do it but then the cell started lifting and i was like oh no they, they've actually committed and now doubled down on it because they gave me that little shred of hope and the audience i think weren't just chanting restart the match because they hated the way it ended i think like me a lot of them were tricked in that moment into thinking oh they're gonna restart the match let's chant for it um and of course it didn't happen and, and whatever you want to say about it. Like I know some people said, oh, I get why they did it or they booked themselves into a corner or or some people have said it was good and that's fine if you think that. But when your big show ends with people chanting AEW and your WWE and videos come out of people chanting refund and all this stuff, I don't think it worked. No, <laughs> I, no, I, I get think this something went wrong. Suspicion it didn't work, <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, they've now somewhat course well, corrected. I, as I was going to say, Jewel, let's but... jump to Crown Jewel because I agree with everything you've said, especially about the you know the person that falls the fool is the fool, and the, you know the fools on them. Because I watched that match kind of nonchalantly. I had it on. And I, you know, I, I, I wasn't not engaged. I was engaged, but I was also like, well, this isn't going to go the way that I'd like it to go. So I'll watch, but I won't invest because, you know, you try to protect yourself. You know, I brought down my protection shutters after everything that happened at Hell in a Cell. However, what actually happened was I it got the same reaction out of me that Hell in a Cell did, but in reverse, where I, you know, almost jumped out of my chair when they did pull it off, not least because this was a Saudi Arabia show where they don't ever usually do anything for many reasons. And... I, you know, all the controversy around that show that happened afterwards has kind of taken the focus of that, as it should. But when you actually get back to just talking about wrestling, I still can't quite believe they pulled the trigger. And I have no idea what direction they're going with next. I think that's probably a good thing in many ways, because it surprised me. But, uh, you know, without wanting to, to, to naysay it too much, there is a small part of me that is like, as good as this is, and as much as I appreciate you fixing your mistake... You still ruined it a little bit because, you know, you, you had the mistake to begin with when there was no need. So, yeah, what did you yeah. think when it happened? I mean, did you, I didn't see it coming. There's no point in pretending otherwise. I, a million years, I never thought they'd do it. I'll admit, I, I was surprised. Uh, I didn't watch it live. Um, I tend not to take time out of my day for catching any any of the, the Saudi shows. No, I don't blame you. For, you know, those reasons. Um, I did end up seeing the main event. Uh, and I did hear about, because I was curious about the, I, I was getting my hair cut at the time. Um, and when the show was all said and done, I, I looked up the results and saw it. And, and I don't know if maybe it's because I didn't watch it that I didn't have a big elated moment. 
But I feel like my reaction would have been the same even if I'd watched it live, where it was like, oh, I didn't expect that. Mm. I would have cheered a lot if it had happened at Hell in a Cell, but now it just feels, it it just deflated it. So it went from not, whoa, I didn't see that coming, that's amazing, to, oh, oh, they actually (laughs) did the thing they should have done ages ago. Well done. Um, Because I was was expecting them to have Seth win in Crown Jewel, um, either another draw or they try and get away with having Seth win at Crown Jewel to in front of a crowd where they might not backlash as much, where the Saudi crowd are generally at the moment in more of a honeymoon phase where they're still seeing all these uh, wrestlers for um, not the first time now, but it's still really early for them having seen all these wrestlers um, perform live for them. So they might not be as cynical and jaded as as an American audience. That's definitely fair. Yeah. And, and I thought they might use that to try and get away with, with a Seth win. But I was surprised, but I was not celebratory like I would have been if, if it happened when it should have happened. Uh, Cause it just, it just belabored it. It just sort of dragged it out a bit longer than it should have been dragged out. And you kind of lose a bit of the heat that way. Mm. Um, I'm glad he's got the belt. Um, only because they put him up against Seth for the belt. I I wasn't clamoring for a title run for him. I have, I'm one of them people that believe The Fiend doesn't necessarily need it. But for Bray Wyatt, as a, as a character that's been around for so many years and has had that, that unfortunate reputation because of booking as someone who talks a big game but doesn't deliver when it matters, to see The Fiend actually deliver and to see Bray Wyatt actually deliver after you know all of these promises about all the t- terrible dark, uh, scary things he can do, and now he can actually back it up. That's great. From a storytelling perspective, at last, it's great that Bray Wyatt is backing up what he says. Now that he's got the belt, he needs to keep it for a good bit. He could do with, like, just not dropping it to the Miz on SmackDown next week. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past him. Um, A decent reign. It doesn't have to be a year long, but just a decent reign. Um, and I'd like to see him go over a few more big big names. Like I think I think it was a bit weak that it, they had him like going after these legends, going after Mick Foley, Jerry Lawler, all of that. But when Stone Cold was on, yeah, they storyline explained away him not touching him, and he's not touched uh, Hogan. Um, he hasn't gone after Flair, has he? But I could see Flair being okay with it. Um, he seems a bit a bit more up for. Doing stuff I think he just wants to be involved, like right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Desperate to be involved. I think he's he's happy to be be, be <laughs> along there, along for the ride. But to, if the fiend were to lay out, it would never happen. But if the fiend laid out Hogan, I mean that would that would put a pin on it. It's massive, though. Um, I, 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 I totally. I, we know why this doesn't happen. But we also, I get politics and hierarchy, but isn't it crazy that it doesn't happen? Because if you had done that and we hadn't made the mistake at Hell in a Cell, the Fiend character right now would be on a completely different level than, I, mean, yes, I, still, I don't think he's been completely ruined by any stretch of the imagination. But if we had seen all of that, like then all of a sudden the Jerry Lawlers and the whoever held, you know, he took out, they, they, they almost get elevated too because it was a bit like a ladder. You know, he was climbing up to one of the biggest stars ever. And I get why they don't do it because Hogan's like, well, I can't get my win back, brother. And but it's just, it's just nuts because the passing of the torch is what wrestling, I mean, technically was never about. But that is the idea. And sometimes, you know, when I 
do put my, my critical hat on. It does irk me because I'm like, we have something here. The fans have warmed to it, and yet we do everything possible <laughs> to head in the other direction, which, as I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, you can't really do right now. You know, fan yeah. support and fan loyalty is actually more more important than ever. Um, what would you do with Bray Wyatt now, though? Because I've been thinking this, too. It's funny you said The Miz. Because I, I think that's the direction they're going to head in. Not that The Miz would win, but I think they'll put him through people like The Miz and, uh, you know, a, not a Rusev because a different brand, but those kind of people and just just let him get wins. If they do do that, I won't be against it. Uh, I have no idea what he's doing uh, tomorrow night whatsoever. I haven't seen anything out of WWE. I know he's meant to be on Miz TV last week, which is one of the reasons I thought, okay, we'll just let him beat The Miz. That They see The Miz as the name. But yeah, I don't know what you do. It's one of those weird situations where it's such a different and odd character and we've already entered rocky territory that I didn't think we were going to be for months. I really don't know what you do now to to, to rehab it and make sure we can forget about all of this and put, yeah. put, put Bray Wyatt on that pedestal that he really should be. Well, I mean, the there's one quick and easy way to do it. If if they actually cared about building him up as a as a, you know, terrifying threat and they cared about the talent they have versus the talent that's fair weather... Is he goes into the, what I'm sure will be a triple threat champion versus champion match at Survivor Series, and he destroys Brock Lesnar. I, 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 if that happens, I will grow my hair back. Yeah. <laughs> and oh every, yeah. Everyone, I mean, everyone can see how bald I actually am. Yeah. Even if, even if Bray Wyatt wins at Survivor Series, it's likely his, you know, Cole will eat that loss. Um, but. If if the fiend if the again this is just pure fantasy armchair booking and I know armchair booking is a bit gauche but if it were just me in charge if I were in Vince McMahon's sweaty clammy seat <laughs> and I was yelling in Michael Cole's headphones I would have the match go as follows bell rings fiend dashes straight past Cole Mandible claws Brock Lesnar leaves. That's that's what I would do if 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 I were in charge, and I know it's not going to happen, but that's what I'd do. And Cole is like Adam Cole is just stood there, confused, terrified, and a bit relieved. That would be awesome. It'd be all because it's just different. And I understand about protecting people, but I don't see this as protecting people. I see this as boosting Bray. Do you know what I mean? There's a different way to look yeah. at it. Like, and I, I mean, Brock can eat that. Brock Brock will not suffer because of that. He gets a private jet. He wasn't stuck in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> no, he, he's one of the good ones, don't forget. He's one of the ones we like. He's yeah. loyal. He's loyal to WWE. He gets paid a million dollars to scratch his ass. <laughs> I love Brock He's Lesnar. not all that invested. He's the best. You know? No, I, I, I don't think that would be a problem either. And I He'd think survive it, it easy. He would do. They survived the Goldberg thing, right? Like three years ago now. Yeah. It was three years ago this month, and everybody loved it. And now, and I would say that Brock Lesnar right now is as strong as he as he was then. You could probably argue, argue that he's stronger. But yeah, it, it's very... Very interesting. I don't know where we're going. I think we're actually doing Rey Mysterio versus Lesnar at Survivor Series. I think we're yeah, actually. That's true. Yeah, I think we're actually going to do. It. And I like that match. Don't get me wrong, but I much prefer your scenario because again, it's different and it's fresh, and it will get people talking. I love like the only silver lining out of Hell in a Cell is I love it when the internet community comes together to just go crazy. It's oh yeah, it was. It was a, a source of. I, I stayed up past my bedtime, <laughs> uh, looking just just reading wrestling Twitter because it was it was edifying. Um, I, 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 um, I signed up for the, the, um, wrestling observer videos 
just to see Brian Alvarez oh, go man. off on one. Uh, he's the best. I love Brian Alvarez. No, no one throws a fit better than Brian Alvarez. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a glorious one as well. And completely deserved. That's the other thing. I like, completely deserved. I didn't hear any. Well, I saw a few people going, oh, watch the story, watch the story. And then I think we get to Crown Jaw and it's like, no, they just had to redo it because they fell off a cliff with it uh, a little bit. What do you, what's your take on WWE in general at the moment, man? We haven't talked about that. I don't actually know, you know, obviously with the moves to SmackDown, uh, moves to Fox, sorry, I should say, and Friday nights and draft and brand splits and everything like that, even though it still means nothing. Are you enjoying it? You're not enjoying it? Or do you kind of feel like we're in the exact same position that we were? I feel like they don't know what they're doing. I mean, they know enough about what they're doing to put on a show every week. But <laughs> Dude, that's the best back of box quote ever. <laughs> we know enough to get a show out. But other than that, we'll get back to you. Yeah, I mean, people say like, oh, watch for the story. Watch for the story. They've got a plan. They've got a plan. But every time we believe there's a plan, there isn't a plan. It's <laughs> the fact that they did Hell in a Cell. And the next night, they barely mentioned anything about that match. They had a package buried deep in, into Raw. Didn't lead off with it like they do with every main event. Yeah, like every wrong. Raw after a pay-per-view, they open by telling you what happens in the main event. Not that time. It took them a whole week to get back round to it. By which point they had a, you know an idea finally put together. We've already heard so many stories of Vince changing things at the last minute. Things changing. He's an old erratic man. <laughs> he's he he he's indecisive, and and I think that indecision is really bleeding into the 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 show in in really obvious ways now, especially with this uh, the more hot footed uh, the the more hot footed they are with AEW, and I know they probably don't consider them a massive massive threat, but they are clearly a bit bothered by AEW's existence, and. And I, and, I, and I think one of the main reasons why, or one of the main examples of how they don't have a long-term plan is how they build so much of their, their content around short-term stuff. Um, very much like a big corporation. They, they see things about as far as the next quarter and nothing beyond then. So long as they get gains right here, right now, it doesn't matter that they haven't laid a foundation for the future. So... And I know, you know, we mentioned Brian Alvarez. I know he's pointed stuff out like this. You get the, that first SmackDown that they debuted on Fox. Their first big SmackDown. And it was about The Rock. And it was about Tyson Fury. And it was about Cain Velasquez. They ain't carrying SmackDown. No, you're right. The Rock ain't there. No, they're bit players, right? Well, The Rock. Tyson Fury, Yeah. The Rock's not there right now. Tyson Fury, I think he's coming back like this week for a bit. He ain't sticking around. No, no. He's a he's a cameo. He's a celebrity guest, and he went over Brock, uh, not Brock, uh, Braun Strowman. Um, imagine that. Like we talked about, like a guy like Hulk Hogan would never allow even the fiends to go over him. But these days, the modern stars are treated so disposably that they're fine with with Braun losing like the way he did, like humiliatingly. Losing to um, Tyson Fury. Um, but yeah, it's all about short-term gains, getting temporary. Whenever they need a boost in ratings, it's like, just bring Hulk Hogan back. Just just patches. It's patches and wallpaper over cracks. When they'd be so much healthier if they looked at the stars they have now and invested in them. Mm, that, and built them. That's 100. They don't... The 
they they don't have stars like they used to, and you've just hit the nail on the head right there. And then because that's I a, don't think they want them. No, I don't either. I think they, I think Vince McMahon is terrified of people leaving. I yeah, think, yeah, the I think, brand is what's important. Yeah, no, it's you true. watch. You you used to watch WWE F and and other wrestling shows. You watch them for the sh- for the stars. WWE wants you to watch it for the brand, for the logo. And the, the, most of their wrestlers are walking T-shirt designs, saying packaged catchphrases that they can put on merch, and repeating taglines for pay-per-views, and trying to weave that into conversation like like anyone talks like that like that you would say on ups and downs like no one talks like that no one no one over the, the span of a three-hour show no two people should say kick ass and take names they'll have about half a dozen bloody people do it one on yeah, one episode of raw such a good it's point. embarrassing um but that's what they want they want this is why i couldn't buy kevin owens when they were trying to give him his whole pipe bomb stuff and try and make him the next stone cold I believed Stone Cold because I believed he had some autonomy. Mm. I don't believe anyone in WWE who is a current younger star, who isn't like a, a legend already, or Brock Lesnar, has autonomy, can call the shots. It's not believable that Becky Lynch goes up against Stephanie McMahon because the McMahons have done such a good job of reminding us over the years that they own these talents. They are the property. I mean... When they show photographs of new signees for NXT, they all wear T-shirts that say property of the performance center. <laughs> Dude, that's brilliant. I mean... That is such a good point. That's excellent, that is. That's... it. That they are branded like cattle the moment they come in. Um, I, I said last time we spoke, like, this extends to the audience who are not just a crowd of fans. They're the, the WWE universe. Nice, don't and that's that subtle. It's subtle, but it's it's reinforcing the message of... We are WWE. We own everything to do with this. Yeah. We own you. We own the stars. We own the brand. And the brand is all that matters. And that's what's biting them right now. Because when the brand isn't strong enough, they've got nothing else to offer. And right now, as we're seeing with flagging ratings and stuff like that, the brand is not that strong. It's rich, it's very wealthy. But it's not that strong in terms of resonating with an audience, as we saw when SmackDown moved to FS1 for that oh. one week did you... and had a massive drop in ratings. Did you see now, the WWE backstage back... ratings as well? I've, I've heard of them. Unbelievable. Yeah. They it, were really bad, weren't they? You, you, you destroyed them, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Every video you've done destroyed a show on FS1. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It, it, was, it was incredible. Um, yeah. but, sorry, go on. I just, I just wanted to throw that in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. You, it, it's a fair point. Like, the supplementary material, no one cares. No, they don't. Um, <laughs> I, I watch AEW Dark every week. I couldn't be bothered to watch something like Backstage. Um, so, yeah, uh, they went to FS1 and dropped in the ratings. And I saw people, um, like, a lot of pundits and stuff trying to work out why that was. I think the reason's very simple. Is I think a lot of the ratings for SmackDown on Fox comes from people who aren't necessarily tuning in to watch WWE specifically but just have Fox on in their home as a matter of course yeah. and will watch whatever's on it. Totally. And I think that's where a lot of these WWE ratings come from now is people who just have USA on in their house or have Fox on in their house. And those people just weren't bothering to watch FS1. It just wasn't worth flicking the channel over for SmackDown. 
And even though the ratings are back, I think that's just because people are watching Fox as a matter of course. I don't think it necessarily speaks to the strength of SmackDown as a show. Um, I think it's just getting baseline views in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, one could argue that, and I wouldn't say this is a fact, but there's a potential argument that the ratings on FS1 represent the audience who actually gives a crap about WWE and aren't just watching it because it's on their screens at that moment. And it's not a great picture. No, I think I think that's definitely fair. Like the the base audience of WWE, especially when it, it's the effort that people have to go to. I know it's it's not necessarily because there was all this talk, you know, oh people maybe they don't understand how to find the channel. It's not about that, right? If I want to watch something I'm a capable human being. I have intelligence and I will yeah. just, I'll, I will go figure it out. I'll be like, okay, they well. hyped it to hell. Like I knew it was on FS1. Like I'm watching them still now out of morbid curiosity. Um, <laughs> mostly again for, and again, I said this last time for like the supplementary stuff around it. Like I'll watch the show and then I'll enjoy like ups and downs or, or Ross Twiddell's WTF. And then I like the conversation around the product. Yeah. Um, just around wrestling in general. Um, no, I totally understand. I haven't had, I haven't had cable access in almost 10 years. I picked it up. I picked up Hulu Live TV specifically for Dynamite. I worked out how to get to FS1. It's not that hard. No, of course not. And that that's the thing, isn't it? It, it comes down to... I mean, you just nailed it. You, you smashed it on the head. It's literally, I don't feel like I have to watch this show. Therefore, I know it's on FS1. But as, again, as you pointed out, Fox is something I'll just have on in the background. Like, I guess over here in the UK, people do it with what BBC, ITV, whatever. Yeah. Your chosen yeah. channels of choice. But in terms of, I do I want, I think it's also, can I miss this week? And the answer is always probably because all the stories are self-contained into that two to three hour window. And then next week you realize, oh, okay, there wasn't any sort of mammoth changes that I feel like I've now put myself in a, in a difficult position to catch up. And usually in the first five to 10 minutes of Raw or SmackDown, you know exactly where you're at. And yeah. You know, that's that's probably why they probably thought, OK, well, WWE has taught me when they're not on their quote unquote uh, main channel that maybe they won't put as much effort in as usual. I can probably figure all this out on Monday and the Smackdown is going to go down the week after. I'll do that. And by and large, looking at the numbers, that what they did, which kind of it does. It sums up what the wrestling fan is like at the moment, even more so because, as you just mentioned, you have an alternative now and an alternative I, I haven't heard. The only negative I hear is from the crazy people. And I don't listen to the crazy people because they are indeed crazy. Uh, but yeah, I haven't heard. I mean, there, there are certainly things that you know, AEW could be doing better. And there are certain criticisms that they, you know, that they bring upon themselves, as all anything in life does. Nothing is perfect. But overall, it's mostly just universal love, universal praise. People like the characters. I mean, it's still early doors. That does help. I always say that. Like, it's easy to judge WWE because they've been around for like, you know, a billion years. Whereas AEW, technically, you could say is like five weeks old. And you are you are going to get a free pass for a while. But it doesn't matter. Right now, like I say, we do live in this very reactive world, this very social media heavy world. Uh, NXT doesn't sit with this. Sit within this. That kind of sits in its own bubble. But it's a bit like Raw and SmackDown are like, oh, and AEW is like, oh yeah, excellent. <laughs> it's really, 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 really exciting. And to be fair, the show they put on last night, I thought it was absolutely tremendous. There was there was, the, there was few things yeah. to criticize. The last two Dynamites have been almost everything I, everything I felt was lacking from the like I've loved every Dynamite so far, but I had things I could point out and say I'd like to see more of this. The past two shows have had everything I would have liked to have seen more of, specifically angle development and promos. The matches are, are, are excellent. 
They do wonderful wrestling. Um, they've got that down. The tag rules are still a little iffy, but they're getting there. Um, but we've had, like, the contract signing with J- Jericho and Cody the week before, and Hangman Page finally being allowed to speak. A lot more pre- and post-match promos. And this week we had... Um, Cody's promo, oh, man, just, which was straight fire. I mean, just incredible. It made me miss WWE because WWE has done stuff like that in the past, and it really, I missed it. I was like, why can't, why can't we let more people do this? It was so, it was so good, especially because then it was bookended by the Chris Jericho video as well. And that one, I'd forgotten what it was like to laugh at wrestling when oh, the man. wrestling wanted to be laughed at. Yeah, exactly. The self awareness was incredible. You never see self-awareness in wrestling. It's like, oh my gosh, we've gone from never being self-aware to being completely self-aware. I just... Yeah. Oh, was, Jack Jack Hager in that video... Oh, he's the best. ...was gold. Yeah. And think of that. Think of think of us saying that, Jim. Think of that. Yes. Jack Swagger. We are all now... Ah, <laughs> what an amazing person he is. I love him. I was around for the Jack Swagger rise and fall, and yeah. he always got a hard time of it. He's been in AEW, what, three, four weeks, whatever it is. And we're all, you know, we, we, we yeah. all appreciate him. And the crowd is doing what, what the show wants them to do. They haven't chanted We The People since Chris Jericho shut it down. Is, I didn't even think about that until you've just said it. That is such a good point. They have stopped cheering for Chris. Imagine that. They have stopped cheering for Chris Jericho. They still pop now and then. But the first few shows they were cheering him. They are now in love with Cody and they hate Jericho. Mm. That is so hard to do in 2019 <laughs> to get a heel to be universally hated, to get a worldwide, genuine, not just a brand name, a genuine legend, a famous, someone as famous as Chris Jericho is getting booed when he comes out. This is, this is how you build a main event. The crowd genuinely wants to see Cody prevail, and they want to see the villain perish. This is it, this shouldn't be groundbreaking, but it is. I haven't been this invested in a main event, and I, I'm I'm typically someone who, throughout my entire life watching wrestling, I've never been as interested in the main event scene as I have been in the mid card. I tend to find more interesting characters in the mid card, yeah, I know more you unique stories because it isn't just about titles. I haven't been this in, this excited for a title match main event in... I couldn't even tell you when. I am so... I, I can't wait to see Cody versus Jericho. And even though, you know, I love Jericho's whole shtick, I'm buying into the story here. I'm going to root for the hero of the story. When does that ever happen as well, because, right? Yeah, because... Fuck that asshole, Jericho. He's a complete <laughs> dick. In storyline, he's been a complete dick. The inner circle are smug wankers who should have... And I I adore Sammy Guevara. Guevara, sorry. But I want to see someone slap the shit out of him. Yeah. Because he's so good at playing a dick. Like, he's so good at it. And that is so hard to do. As someone who, you know, lifelong heel myself, love villains of all stripes... And I, and I love these. I love every talent in the inner circle, but I want to see them lose because I I now care about the story, and that is that is difficult. What do you make of the stipulation that Cody rose through in the the other day when it was um, well, yesterday I should say when you know if he if he loses he can never fight for the world title again because I kind of feel like it puts it in a strange situation where 
I, I feel like Cody if at one stage needs to be able to win the world the world championship. But you also need to. You, you, it's really important. This is again. I always say us on ups and downs, but I'll say it here again. My genuinely favorite thing about all elite wrestling is that we get to relearn all these rules. And Cody Rhodes said it best in an interview of the day. We think they're wrestling rules, but they're not. They're WWE rules because WWE has been the big dog in the yard. Terrible. I shouldn't use that phrase. I retract that straight away. But you know, no one else has been around. And that comes down to directing and, and whatever, else you, whatever else you're doing. And, you know, one of the things we've come to learn, Hell in a Cell, tie it in, is that the stipulations sometimes mean jack shit because they will, they will, they will take it in that direction. So, you know, if they, and I understand that Cody Rhodes will, of course, fight for the World Championship again. But even if they can hold that off for a year and tell a story, whatever that may be, and then figure out a narrative that the fans don't crap over where he works his way back in and it all makes sense then you have, you know, you have just come up with so much reasons to believe what people are saying, to buy into surprise announcements, to expect the unexpected. But then on the flip side, maybe Cody Rhodes just wins. And then what does that mean for Chris Jericho? Like, it's a fabulous... The fact that we can sit here and debate it like this, as opposed to what we were doing before Hell in a Cell, oh, I don't know what they're going to do, I'm a bit worried. Like you said, we're completely focused on the story, and this doesn't run through the card, of course, but in terms of the main event, Cody Rhodes versus Chris Jericho, for that championship at full gear, they haven't really put a foot wrong. Like, it's pretty, pretty good. Um, I agree that it certainly lends an extra air of uncertainty to the match. Um, I do feel it's overegging the pudding just because Cody versus Jericho is so strong already. That's fair. I don't think it needed that. I feel like that's its own story. Um, a separate program, the conflict between Cody as executive and Cody as wrestler, is a really good story. And I feel like that should have been its own thing. Um, maybe the next feud, the next fight, um, or whenever he challenges for the title again in future. I feel like throwing it in one one week, uh, not even a week, like a few days like on their go-home show before Full Gear just sort of robbed the potential for that to have been an excellent story. I don't think it necessarily detracts from Cody Jericho. I just don't think it was all that necessary now. And I would have loved to have seen that conflict be given its own spotlight. Um, but, I mean, if they just want to create some uncertainty as to, you know, will he win... They've done that, and not in a, as you say, not in a fiend way. It very much is a, I don't know where they could take that. Um, I am, whether he wins or loses, I'm not worried that Cody will never be AEW world champion. <laughs> it's wrestling, right? That seems a little bit strange. <laughs> I mean, maybe, they, maybe they'd commit to it. Like you said, WWE rules are not wrestling rules. That's maybe AEW is the first wrestling product ever where a stipulation sticks. Can you imagine? Okay, well, how would you let's say that does happen? Let's, we're all nerds here. That's fantasy book as we, as we want to do. I mean, is that good for Cody Rhodes? I don't know if it is. I think I don't know. I find that it's such a strange. Again, I don't think it will happen, but it's such a strange even idea to ponder because I expect Kenny Omega to have a run. John Moxley, Pack, Cody Rhodes, MGF. I think will get it eventually. You could even give Matt or Nick Jackson a run at some point down the line if AEW is incredibly successful and is around for for years and years. I just can't imagine a scenario where the arguably biggest star in the company, and th at the moment especially, the one that the fans are happy to get behind, whether he's pulling the strings or not, and then deciding, you know what, actually, no, we're not going to do it. I love it, because, it's, again, it's the complete antithesis to what I'm used to, but it's just so surprising. Yeah, it would be, it would be foolish. Like, 
there would be an element of historical respect to Cody as someone in charge who didn't put the belt on himself, which would make him a first oh, in man, ever. Any wrestler who's been in charge has always given themselves a run for the belt. Yeah, I'd probably but do usually they well, absolutely. Um, but they typically they've done that regardless of whether the the crowd wanted it. True. Here it would be foolish for not just Cody but AEW as a show. The fans want to see him have that belt at some point. The reactions he's getting, that's that's love. That is genuine out and out. Let's not just pop in for a name. The fans love Cody. And they should. He's he's amazing. Um it would be very silly for him to never get a run when people want it this badly. They clearly want it. Maybe not right now, but at some point, he needs to have that belt just for the good of AEW because they, they, they're very committed to giving the, the audience what it wants. Yeah. And the audience absolutely wants to see him as world champion. That's the thing. That's why I think I, I, I rarely am a fan of sort of, you know, jumping belts around, but I think you get away with it at, at full gear. I do. I think the fans will be so elated it wouldn't be a problem. I don't know what that means for Inner Circle and Chris Jericho. I think it is better with him being the centerpiece as the champion. But like you just said, if the fans are satisfied, which they will be, maybe it's not the worst idea in the world. I mean, I've also got this, my, my dream scenario is that MJF finally turns on Cody Rhodes. And that's the reason that he kind of loses everything. I think you can just tell an incredible story there. But I don't know. Maybe I'd like them to hold off on that for a while. I would like that to be, I'd like him to do that independent of the Inner Circle one, one day when or if MGF does it, it will be incredible. But I'm also just really loving the nuance of a heel who happens to be getting face pops when he does face things because yeah. he's friends with a massive baby face. <laughs> There's just a nuance to that. This It's, again, moving away from WWE rules that states, you know, all the heels have to align against all the baby faces. Even if they don't get on, they'll always pick the, the side of a heel over a face. And here we have MGF, a complete jackass, who happens to like Cody because sometimes jackasses have likable friends. Uh, that's just... It, it's an element of detail, and, you know, I, I hesitate to say it, but an element of realism that you just don't see. Yeah, in, the, in, in real life, in a real company some dicks will be friends with people who aren't dicks <laughs> just because mgf's a heel doesn't mean he has to like chris jericho or sean spears they hurt his friend that is that i that... like that it's a level of depth to the character you know people praise mgf for being a pure heel and he is but i think this is an even bigger testament to how good a heel he is that when he's on his own he gets all the hate and when he's with cody he gets plenty of love because people are are understanding that there's more than one side to him. He's not two-dimensional. It's it's brilliant. And I want to see it carry on for at least a while. I, I would like to see it go on for at least a year. Uh, dude, I mean, don't get me wrong. If they Again, I, I need to, to trust they're going to do that, right? Because of everything we just talked about. But I would be up. The longer you hold off on that stuff, the better the reaction. Well, there's, there's a tipping point as well. But oh, back- sure. You can't go too long. But I think if you, get, if you made it last a year, the feud you could then have between MGF and Cody would be immense oh, like it, be huge. the level of personal blood feuds angles you could have with that i think it would be one for the ages and it would probably cement mjf as as the top heel next to chris jericho and certainly the one to 
take over the mantle of top heel whenever Chris Jericho does step aside. Mm, dude, you're totally right. And the, the other cool thing about what you were saying a second ago is you don't really get heels and faces in. I mean, you do and you don't. Like, you know, Cody has done some heelish stuff. Obviously, MJF is just going back and forth. Kenny Omega says and acts in a certain way that you don't necessarily think, well, that's not what a good way. I mean, the, the Young Bucks are doing that all the time. You know, they, they they take the mick out of their opponents. They've got an edge to them. But I love that because it kind of means you just choose your favorite wrestlers and you go along along for the ride with them. It's kind of a redundant question because I think <laughs> I think I could figure it out. But I am. I mean, you've said it. You've said it. You've said it uh, as much. But I'm assuming that you, you are part of the this AEW boom and that really is the best thing that could have happened to pro wrestling. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm all about AEW. I. More and more, like, even though I'm tuning in out of morbid curiosity and semi-habit, I'm still watching some WWE stuff. More and more, I'm I watch for a bit, and I won't make it into, like, the last hour of Raw and, you know... Even if it's a good-looking main event, I might not make it to the main event of SmackDown. AEW, from start to finish, I'm glued. And when AEW Dark comes on, I watch that too. Um... And to a lesser extent, because I've not caught up on the last couple, but NWA Power's been really good as well. Um, but AEW, I'm absolutely 100% on board with it. Huge fan. Uh, won't try and hide it. I don't have to pretend to be impartial. I'm not doing any wrestling journalism. Um, <laughs> absolutely 100% biased in favour of w uh, AEW. Um, Dynamite has been a tremendous show. It's full of wrestlers I love, and the wrestlers are not being treated like dummies. MJF's commentary on AEW Dark this week was spectacular. They were so fresh. He was just wasn't allowed it? to, yeah. He was just allowed to go out, and I, I'd like to see that more. I, the three-person commentary team where no one really has major preferences, or they're all leaning face. I'm kind of over that. Excalibur and MJF worked really well together. You had a, a typical face and heel commentary team, and it was great. Um, I don't necessarily think MJF should be commentating all the time just because he's too good as a, as a heel wrestler, but I would like to see them adopt that more. Just have one, he one face commentator, one heel, and let them build a dynamic. That was part of what gave, you know, older WWE and F shows an atmosphere. There was this sort of banter between two voices that would play from beginning to end throughout this pay-per-view or this Raw episode. And it would give, it would lend an extra air of atmosphere to the entire show. And I get that less with the three people commentary teams where they all lean a bit face-ish or they're, they're more impartial. Um, I want, I would always prefer two commentators, one on the side of the good guys, one trying to rationalize um, or outright side with the bad guys. Um, so yeah, yeah. It tells better stories as well, though. I think people forget that. Like, we're tuned into it. We understand the madness. We understand the nonsense. But a really good... A catalyst, not the right word, but a, yeah, the, the Hill commentator is a really good conduit for somebody that was maybe only just getting into wrestling to understand why this person is acting in that way. You know, that may not always come across straight away, but it's, yeah, it's just so well balanced for somebody that doesn't get it. Like, oh, he, this person or this girl, whatever, is acting in this way 
because he or she thinks this and they're justified because of this or that. And then you get the counterpoint. I think that works really, really well. I don't know why. It seems bizarre to me that the only two-man booth we have is SmackDown. I mean, it's just so strange. Yeah. It's so strange that that's the one that wound up with two people. And it's the two people you'd have to guess are, are the most produced as well by Vince McMahon in their ear. Uh, you know, Corey Graves and Michael Cole often feel that way to me. I, I, know I put most of that on the stuff that, that they're being fed. But yeah, I, I don't know why we don't go back to the two-man booth. And don't get me wrong, I love JR. I love Tony Schiavone and I love Excalibur. But, you know, that, that some of that may just be now because that's what I've been told I'm getting. If we had just said we're doing this guy and that guy, one of them whom should be Excalibur because I think he brings something new and fresh to things. Yeah, I, I do think that probably would be a benefit. I just like two people. I don't think you need three. I don't. I never knew what the uh, the third dynamic adds. Yeah, it, it's it's it doesn't make sense to me, um, but it is what it is. Um, I don't think the commentary is necessarily bad on AEW. I oh just no, feel not like at all. No, I think it's bad now. If you had two people arguing over what Chris Jericho and Cody were doing, I think it would have added just that little bit extra oomph to it. Um, modern commentary, at least on these main shows, just just lacks some oomph. Um, it's not necessarily bad. It's just, it doesn't detract unless, you know, Corey Graves is putting himself over Sasha Banks or Michael Cole is sounding like a plastic man. Um, <laughs> some of the WWE stuff really, um, detracts, but in general, it doesn't add anything, even if it doesn't detract. It's the commentary isn't adding all that much. Yeah. Um, no, and I'd, I'd like to see that changed. What? And this is this is a too open a question, but it, it's something we always talk about. So, and, and WWE has changed over the last, you know, the last few months since we last talked. You've obviously, you know, AEW's come along again. It's done what it's done for a lot of people, and it's kind of re-energized your love for wrestling. WWE's made a lot of mistakes. What do you want to see WWE do in order that when you get to and Wednesday doesn't count because NXT is pretty good too? But let's just, you know, you know what I'm I'm getting at. When we get round to these clashes or the chance where you only have so many, you know, life hours to dedicate to wrestling, you don't mind the third hour aside. You don't mind Raw and you don't you don't mind SmackDown because I thought there was one point a month or so ago. I was okay, we're heading in the right direction. And then obviously that got derailed horribly by Hell in a Cell. And I don't really think we've picked the ball back up from there. Not for a lack of trying. I just think that kind of knocked them so bad. They were like, we don't really know how to how to fix this. Like Raw this week, for example, was okay. But I mean that quite literally. It was, you know, it was, um, it was a big... Uh, you know, I, don't, I can't even explain it, but it, it felt like one of those shows that just existed within itself and we'll get to next week and, and you won't have to worry about it. So yeah, what, what again, you're like me. I mean, I get to watch it obviously because I do the What Culture stuff and I'm very lucky to do that. But I think I'd watch it anyway for the social nature of it. It's hilarious. But in terms of you actually tuning in because you want it to be entertaining and you want it to you know, be its own thing, what do you even do? Because I ponder this sometimes. I don't know if I have an answer. There is no answer, and this is going to be an obvious answer, and some people might even roll their eyes. Nothing can change while Vince McMahon is calling the shots. It's not just that it's one guy. It is one old, very old, white billionaire. He Billionaires are so far removed from the average person. Even a bit of money. Like, I, I grew up very poor. And now I'm, I do quite well for myself. And and I, I can point out various ways in which I've lost touch with how I used to be and the experiences I used to have and how money has changed the value of certain things. When you get to the point where you have a thousand million dollars, 
your priorities, your outlook on life, things that are problems versus things that aren't, are so alien to the average person. And when you add on to the fact that he's 70 years old, plus, 70 plus years old, is so sheltered that, that, you know, there are stories about how he doesn't know what a burrito is and all that stuff, (laughs) which is funny when you think about it. But when you also consider he's trying to write television for a mainstream audience and he doesn't know basic pop culture things. He doesn't know what young people want. He goes back to the same well time and time again. You get a hot baby face, get heat on him by having him lose all the time. It's not what people want to see. He does things that worked like 10 years ago because it's all he knows. When, whenever he wants to bring in new blood, we get Paul Heyman and Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff before him. And I said when we last talked, that was one major issue was, oh, he's going to bring in new blood. How exciting. But it's not new blood. It's Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff and Bruce Pritchard um, who are older guys themselves, old white guys again, Mm. with the one outlook, the one life experience. AEW is resonating so well because it's younger people in charge who are way more clued in to pop culture. And when you look at the demographics, it's why WWE and NXT and all that are still really strong with people who are 50 years old. Yeah, And it's not like that's an... It's not like that market has no value, but it's not a market that's necessarily going to boom and grow, is it? Well, no, the they're... younger generation need to be won over so that they can still watch wrestling. Wrestling will still have an audience twenty years from now. Exactly, and I mean tying into how obviously you know what we what we did do, what we do do, and how we actually met. I mean Kenny Omega coming out dressed as Sans from Undertale, right? I don't know if that blew your brain as much as it blew my brain, but I just, again, I look at it from a WWE standpoint. I'm like, they don't even know what Undertale is. I'm not saying that Undertale is the biggest game in the world, but that is speaking to a very specific demographic who is going to love Kenny Omega for that. They're very young demographic too. And they're just going to want to see what he's going to do every week. And then they'll go and research, like we were saying again earlier, they will go and research Kenny Omega. What's he into? Oh, he's a big gamer. And then all of a sudden, Kenny Omega becomes more of a star simply because he came dressed out as a nice character that's got a cult following. I mean, that genuinely blew my brain when he did that. It's just, it's just, of all the characters, yeah, I, of all the characters. <laughs> I shared a photo on Twitter of it as it happened. I just grabbed up with my phone. I just grabbed a snapshot of my TV and posted it. And, and it blew up on social media a little. Um, I saw Kotaku, a game website, had a headline, Sands from Undertale is now a pro wrestler. (laughs) That's great. It got attention. And, I mean, the one thing I don't like about it is the fact that I have an official licensed Sands jacket, which I wear casually because it's really comfortable. (laughs) And I wear it to wrestling gigs sometimes, and I hate now, but people will think I'm just Uh, cosplaying Omega. ruined it for you. (laughs) He's ruined it for me. Become the successful band. Yeah. Um, I liked it before. It was cool. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, you, you get some people complaining about how, how silly it is, but it's like, it's, it's no different from, you know, Rey Mysterio came out in at WrestleMania this year, dressed as Mysterio from Spider-Man. No, exactly. Um, you've had, uh, Seth Rollins in White Walker get up from Game of Thrones. Um, he just picked something that was a little more... Um, I don't even know if niche is the right word, but it was basically uh, certainly a, a more online audience, an audience more prone to sharing things. Um, it was a smart move. It was savvy. 
And the fact that Toby Fox, the, the Undertale creator, is producing bespoke intros for Kenny Omega. I mean, yeah. And granting him use of Megalovania as entrance music just adds an extra air of special to it. Mm. Um, same goes for the Rick and Morty thing. Like, they didn't go full Chucky from Child's Play in WCW or the Robocop thing. They had, for a goof, Rick and Morty do entrance um, announcements for the best friends. And they dressed up as Rick and Morty on a Halloween show where it made sense to dress up as stuff. But it just gives them that little extra bit of credibility with uh, yeah. an audience that where there's some crossover. There's some crossover between, you know, people who play video games and people who watch wrestling, people who watch Rick and Morty and might watch wrestling, but not a 100% crossover. Just enough to where it can bleed in. Mm. You know, I I I've been, you know, working in the wrestling business now for um almost 2 years. Gee, and it's been that long. Oh my god. It's been gosh. that long. Oh, Get, I can't getting a long it. white beard and everything. <laughs> ha- had my first pinfall loss you're, just last week, so I had a good you're, run. You're a veteran now, my friend. Oh, yeah. I'm actually at that point now where I, I no longer feel like a complete like newcomer who doesn't belong there. Oh, dude, that's how I'll I feel, too. I'll actually walk into the locker room now with with a little bit of confidence. Dude, I was going to bring this up in a minute. I do want to talk NXT. We'll, we'll, we'll flip it around, though, because it's come up organically. How is the wrestling stuff going, man? We haven't chatted about that in ages. Obviously, I always keep an eye on social media, and I always grin. Because, again, if you've never heard one of uh, Jim and mine podcasts before, please do go and listen to it. But somehow we both decided to have this idea with no communication between us. Yeah. It wasn't like, hey, man, you smash it over there. I'll smash it over here. It was just like, dude, are you doing this as well? Oh, yes, so am <laughs> I. Which is amazing, really. I mean, it genuinely is incredible. I, I love it. But, yeah, obviously, last time we spoke, uh, you were getting your new uh, sort of your new costume and your new character and all that kind of stuff ready. And obviously, you just mentioned you took your first pinfall loss. Last time we chatted to you, you were more of an outside manager type of a dude. Yeah, and that's still largely true. Um, I'm in this weird position where the the costume and the look, you know, full spandex, a star-shaped lucha mask, uh, this super villain persona. Um, I look like a wrestler, but I still largely work as a manager. And what promotions have been doing, um, certainly Pro-South in Alabama have been really clever about it, is they save matches for me for like special events to the point where the audience is so sick of seeing me avoid combat that they can't <laughs> wait to see it. And then we'll come up with some little extra protective step like a Sterling Rules match where outside interference is legal. Like, I can't break the rules, my opponent can't break the rules, but, you know, I happen to be the one with a stable. So, it's not my fault I'm more popular. And then they can, you know, absolutely decimate them for me. Uh, And I can do a couple of my big man moves, you know. Um, I watch a lot of Big Daddy V matches, I go back and watch them and just do his kind of stuff. It's not, I'll never wrestle a two-star match, let alone a five-star one. Uh, But I don't have to. Um... Because the crowd is so into it. Like, Which, that's the whole point, I'm, right? Yeah, that's the whole yeah. point. And the fact that I am I do get... Like, I've been trained in some offense. And certainly I know how to take a bump and all this stuff. I've got some offense. And I'm big. You know, I'm like 6'2", 6'1", 6'2", something like that. Um, so unlike when you see someone like Paul Bearer get bullied to death by wrestlers. To the point where you start to feel like it's unfair. It's like, he's just a little fella. When I 
when a wrestler finally beats the tar out of me, it's guilt-free satisfaction. Because I've had offense. I'm a big dude. Like, tall as well as, you know, massive. Um, it just looks more satisfying to see me get beaten down. And no one has to feel bad. It doesn't look like bullying in any way. Um, and certainly in my experience so far, I... I, 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 I have far from the best matches, but when it comes to heat, when it comes to the atmosphere of the crowd, when it comes to people like being into it, I've, I'm fairly confident in saying that I've been the biggest, um, the biggest match on the card whenever I do appear in terms of getting a crowd reaction. But dude, that's um, awesome in a way because like, and there's nothing wrong with this either. The, the template for being a pro wrestler now is, you know, 700 miles an hour, move, 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 move. If you can kind of throw back, old school's a terrible term, but we use it here anyway. That's what it's all about. Variety and changing up and doing what's old So long as it works, yeah. If it uh, works for the story, it works for the gimmick. And that's my whole thing. It's like, I will go out there um, almost exactly the same. Like, I am almost exactly the same body build as um, Viscera was, as Big Daddy V. Yeah. Um, So I've learned, you know, I'm learning to do his things. I'm working on doing his spinning heel kick for one big athletic thing he did. Um, well, I think did I can do, do that. It. Yeah, man, dude, that's a, that's an impressive move, though, dude. That's like it always I, look great. I, yeah, I don't think I can do a spinning heel kick. I can do the shoulder. Like he he did a really clever thing where it was basically taking an arm drag with his legs up, but without you know anyone arm dragging him. Um, I haven't been able to see it yet to see how my legs look. I've just got to make sure they stay up. But I think I can. I think with some practice, I'll pull it off. Uh, but that's the idea. It's like you give me a bit of an offense and a cleverly build match. And I'll go out there and do something not good, but very entertaining. Mm, and that's, that's all I need. Yeah, no, nah, dude, honestly, man, I, I, I think even if that wasn't what you lent towards, that's a great thing to do in, in 2019 wrestling. Because it's different. It has. That's become what is different these days. And the, the kind of the, the, the norm is everyone that w- works these incredible matches, which is still great. And I love it. Yeah. I, 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 I love watching it. But yeah. And even if I never wrestle again, like, I don't know what this, this past Friday was the last match I was scheduled for. Yeah. Um, until I, I'm, I'm doing some new jobs up north now. Um, my time in the south is kind of wrapping up as I prepare to move to the northeast. And I've got some career opportunities lined up there. Um, even if I never wrestle again, like when it comes to being a promo guy, being a manager, I've got that down. Like, I, I think there's always a future there. I just think with the size I have and the gimmick I have, have saving me for these little strange one-off matches has worked out quite well. Um, so I look forward to trying it more. Um, I've also been following your career with, with great interest. Oh, that's very kind. Uh, and I'm thrilled that you've been doing so well at it. Like you, right. you look like you're kicking ass out there. <laughs> that's very kind, dude. I mean, I'm 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 utterly obsessed now. As uh, yeah, I I I I couldn't. I don't have any matches this weekend because I have a few niggles, and I was like, I really do have to just. After I got injured properly last year, I tried to listen to my body and all of that, which I'm not very good at. And I'm already, it's, it's Thursday as we're recording this, and I'm already like, oh man, I can't wrestle this weekend. Hence, the, the, the following weekend, I have three <laughs> over that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I went to the extreme. But yeah, no, I, I, it, it, it's bitten me. It's bitten me quite hard, um, which is, you know, I, I, which is great, really. You know, no matter where I am at in terms of my uh, involvement or my skill level or my talent, the fact that I enjoy it that much, like you just said to me, is, is all I really need. I want to get better. Because I think you, I'm really glad you said that about feeling more comfortable. Because I feel the same. Like last time we talked, 
far more nervous, far more worried. And I still get the jitters, of course. But now, I, again, it's still there. But like, I feel more self-assured. And I feel more confident in saying to someone when we're planning a match, oh, how about we do this? How about we do that? Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, just trying to shape it in what I would like a professional wrestling match to be. And of course, the, the big thing is a one day, Jim, for you and I to to get together and do something within wrestling. Screw games. Oh, that absolutely. We're just doing no, it within wrestling. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like, it, it would be a failure for us to <laughs> not and not meet between the ropes at some point in some way shape honestly or form. I, I still get people tweeting me this has been going on ever since we did so it must have been two years i still get people tweeting me saying why has uh, you know the video game progression gone like staff writer youtuber become a wrestler because that's that seems to be what simon miller and jim sterling did and it's just like I can't explain it. As I just said, it was it was meant to be. It was clearly just meant to be. And uh, and Jim and I are both doing it. Uh, so I have to be an ass. I want to carry this talking, but I do have to go in a second. But I'm not going to leave. I'm picking someone up from the train station. They can they can wait. <laughs> I need to know your uh, I need to know your thoughts on NXT before we wrap this up because NXT now obviously being on the USA Network and being a proper TV show and not a developmental uh, programming, it, it, it has become this fascinating like. I I, I, use the, I use the term alternative. I probably mean maybe I mean alternate as opposed to alternative because it just sits there in the sense that everybody likes NXT. Even the hardest of AEW fans will say, you know what? Sometimes the resting on NXT is actually better. Although maybe I prefer the storylines and presentation of AEW. I I never hear a bad word against NXT. I really really don't. To me, I'm far more likely if we're talking about social media to hear people bragging on AEW than I am NXT because NXT just kind of sits there as the product that everybody loves. And yet when we break it down, really, if you're going to grade the shows based on any kind of number, it will go, you know, you know WWE, AEW, NXT. You know, that's that's the order of interest. Uh, are you keeping up with it? Because obviously it's different for the UK audience because we don't get to watch it until like what? three more hours or whatever the hell it is over here these days yeah. i get confused but yeah what i mean are you watching it you're not watching it do you like it do you not like it what, where i've are you been trying to it? i've been trying to keep up but the fact that it is airing head-to-head with aew means i'm certainly not watching it live yeah of course um which means i'm catching the hulu version um which is you know edited down a bit um i've been trying to keep up with it um because it's still got some you know people I really like in it like I you know I, I love the Velveteen Dream um I like Shayna Baszler a lot um uh yeah so I, I've been trying to but it's like more and more my interest is slipping off not because it's a bad show but because it's just badly positioned mm. um I know in it's obviously deliberately positioned to compete with AEW but certainly rating wise it's not been doing that um and yeah like I feel bad because I'm like, why am I still watching Raw when I should be watching NXT? I can't explain it because it's Raw is not as good a show. I don't know why that's happening um, outside of me just wanting to watch a car crash of a TV show. That's what it is, it's- man. It's the conversation afterwards. It's my favorite point. I tell you this. My favorite point of the week is Tuesday morning. Because everyone is going nuts about Raw, and for some reason, I get a massive kick about that. I don't know what it is. There's just something addictive about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like I'm not watching Raw to enjoy the Lana Rusev Lashley thing, but I'm watching it so I can better enjoy people losing their minds over it uh, and joining in as well. Um, 
in just sheer disbelief at what I'm watching sometimes. <laughs> Whereas, as you said, NXT is just there. It's not going anywhere. It's doing fine. And I think I've fallen into this habit of, I know it's good. I'll watch it. I'll watch it this afternoon. I'll watch it tonight. Yeah. I'll watch it tomorrow. And I just never get around to it. No, I agree. And I find that fascinating at the moment, especially because, you know, we, I can't wait for the ra- The ratings are going to come out as we're probably talking or at least a couple of hours when we're done. So unfortunately, we can't discuss them on this. But I want to see how much of that NXT invasion angle on SmackDown and Raw and obviously the OC were on NXT this week. How much did that affect the things? Does it affect things? Do people care? Are they happy to watch it on social I media? Mean, yeah, like we'll, we'll basically see like, again, like how many people are watching this because they care about the brand and how many people are watching it because it just happens to be on TV. Oh, it's such a good, it's, it's brilliant. How, I mean, I don't know anymore because obviously I come at it from such a weird angle but would let's say that I was I was a casual watcher or I tune in tune out here and there when I hear oh AJ Styles on NXT would I watch or would I you know watch the many clips that were already sent my way when I woke up this yeah. morning you know that's the thing and like, I mean I can only speak for like as a YouTuber but you know I do my one day show the Gymquisition it's got a very set audience it gets at least you know three hundred k viewers a week. Sometimes more, like it can go basically anywhere between there and a million viewers. Yeah. But it's got a baseline. When I do different videos throughout the week, less than half sometimes can watch it. Like if I do a positive video, like a game I like, <laughs> less than half are interested in that. Of course. Just because they're there for a thing doesn't mean they're going to follow through on everything you do. So true. Um, you can promote NXT talent on Raw does not automatically mean people will tune into NXT as well. They might be there, as some people are on my channel, just there for Raw. Like, they're, some people are just there for the Gymquisition. Um, and I think we'll see. We'll, we'll see how many people are, are just watching out of habit or just watching because it's on their TV at the time. But I think that's... That explains a lot of confusion we're seeing with some of these ratings where people are like, why is there massive dips here? Why aren't they following through on this other channel? I really think it is. It's WWE has a uh, a big casual audience that is very casual. Mm. No, I, I totally. And it's such a good point about the numbers fluctuating because all the time people ask me on Twitter or whatever, "Oh, Miller, you should do ups and downs for this show." It's like, yeah, but nobody will watch. They go, "Oh, no, they will." It's ups and downs. Like, bro, nobody will watch. Like, I love yeah. NWA Power. Nobody will watch ups and downs for that show. I know this. I, I we, we've tried similar things before. Um, and again, I think it ties into the fact that we just said about Raw. For some reason, Raw, well, because it's the quote-unquote A show and it's been around for so long, it has this appeal where you you almost, and I know that Raw has its own ratings problem, but in terms of what we're talking about, it is a bit, you do feel a little bit like, I don't want to miss out on what's going to happen on Raw, even if it's terrible, because there's going to be a conversation around that and I'd like to be able to chip in firsthand as opposed to get it all secondhand. That's how I see Raw. Raw is my favorite. I don't know why. Not because it's good. <laughs> just because there's something incredibly enjoyable and entertaining about it and I don't know what that is I really really don't it's very very yeah. strange all around but uh, right on that note again I, I, I planned this terribly because we could continue talking for at least another hour should we should we so wish uh, but Jim as always thank you so much for coming on uh, I am beyond happy that your wrestling career is still going because yeah it's just the, the whole thing makes me laugh uh, that we started doing it at the same time. So the fact that it's still going on and that I'm also still doing it, you think one of us would have dropped out by now, but not. We're, we're both still going. But that does make me very pleased. Yeah, yeah. It's, as always, a pleasure to chat to you. I'm always thrilled to be on. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just good conversation, good chat. 
Indeed. And the next time anything bad goes on, we'll, we'll get you back, which probably means tomorrow. Uh, the, yeah, Smackdown is tomorrow, so it'll probably be 24 hours time. If really, you want to come back on? <laughs> uh, make sure you go check out Jim. Uh, I'm sure you know who he is anyway, but if you don't, just type Jim Sterling into any kind of social media or YouTube platform or video platform, I should say. And uh, trust me, he, he puts up great videos. Someone was saying to me the other day they wanted, um, they asked me if I was going to cover sort of the more businessy, controversial. Uh, all words like that side of games and I said no because Jim Sterling already does it and he does it better than I ever could so you can all just go check it out uh, over on his um, yeah just search for his name you'll find him he's a pretty big deal uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Simon316 I've got a Patreon SimonMiller316 is what you put after Patreon.com uh, if you're not listening to this on YouTube head over to YouTube search for Simon Miller and subscribe but if nothing else thank you very much for listening and I guess we'll be back next week yeah.